0: Aloha and welcome to the Woman on Fire podcast, episode 10, part 2. So if you haven't listened to part 1, stop this episode and go ahead and find part 1, listen and then come back, and then this episode can make more sense. Here, Jamie and I continue to talk about uh, the birth climate in Hawaii. I reflect a bit more on my adventures in El Paso. And then we introduce the Hawaii Home Birth Collective, which we will be talking a lot more about throughout our entire podcast series, really, because it's really important. So it'll be an introduction. And as always, if you have any questions, feel free to message us at womenonfirepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We would be super stoked to hear from you, thoughts, questions, reflections, stories maybe you want to hop on and be our guests. we would love to hear from you and connect further so with no further ado here we go i've got this whiteboard that i write random shit on all the time another day i was thinking about these concepts and i totally wrote woman centered care is greater than you know i put the greater than sign than liability centered care and I want to make that into like a meme thing, but I've been sitting on it for a while to see, you know. But, but that's the point here is that things shift. You know, it's like, ooh, you know, I, it's like, I want to honor your intuition or whatever your decision but if I do that, I'm you know I might pay the price later on so maybe I should do something else even though I don't think that's what's best for you I just gotta do it because the law and I don't want to lose my license or something you know it's like oh that's a sticky yucky situation like that has nothing to do with what actually is best for the mom and the baby in the long run right just like derails the whole thing maybe not all moms but this Uh mom (laughs) <laughs> right, right. And when we're talking about statistics, it's funny, you know, like even not with birth related stuff, just in general, many statistics, you know, th- those are based on studies of often it's like white middle aged men. Like, I'm not a white middle aged man. Like, that uh, statistic is not that relevant to me. So, just for people to bear in mind, like, who are these studies even based on and how do those, that particular group of people, even relate to me at all? Like, do we have anything in common? <laughs> um so you know yeah definitely ponder that um so
1: let's reel you back into your journey your travels so you went and you loved it and
0: you were like maybe I should stay totally yeah (laughs) I mean what were some of the
1: like key points that you were there like aha moments
0: aha moment you know I said this a lot to the midwives there I was like oh like you're inviting me into the gray zone of so many things, you know, which it was like, you know, not falling into the practice of always or never always being like, just creating a formula of protocols that you're always going to do with moms, like independent of their factors or individuality and unique circumstances. So not falling into that out of fear or whatever but also not falling into a never like, this is never okay. I mean, there's a few things that are really like, no, don't ever do that. <laughs> um, but there's some things that, you know, like are really truly not appropriate for one mom that are totally just perfect for another mom. Um, so it invited me into this gray zone, really of reassessing some assumptions I had made along the way and, um some things that I thought were okay or not okay. And I was like, Oh, all right. Again, it's back to that woman centered care of like pay attention to the woman in front of you and her, like the unique circumstances, your eyes are all in um, and, and go from there, you know? So here was a uh, gosh, you know, so different there, man. There's um, you know, like, like open waters for example right before contraction or active labor has really kicked in technically the legal scope of practice for midwives there doesn't define how long they can stay with the mom and at what point they have to transport right okay cool legally you're not bound by anything all right however that doesn't mean that there's no pressure (laughs) for many reasons one you know you just want things to get going right Um, but also you know what I kept being invited into um, considering while I was there was like think about the bigger picture as far as how this relates to the hospital which is not something I'm used to doing (laughs) Um, but it was like okay yes that's fine we we waters are open we don't really got contractions we can keep going um but what happens if we transport and considering that the longer we wait to transport you know and the more hours the waters have been open and we show up to the hospital the less of a chance they're going to give her of a vaginal birth that was just the context of the hospital that was available there and they knew their hospital there right so those are things that I didn't know like I didn't know how their hospital would respond to different scenarios everywhere is so different um, so you know and then there's two sides of it to one side is yes trying to maintain um, good relationships with your hospital community right for longevity with other cases along the way and also of course knowing that transport is a very possible option um, in general but mostly you know when you're like okay waters have been open for a while and there's still kind of nothing like what do you want to do um like we might actually end up transporting so if we transport you know what are her options going to be and obviously we want to uh optimize her options as much as possible and just bear in mind that the longer we wait and we do transport she might have less options when she goes in just know that and 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 she knew that and and then she can make her decisions right um and then on the flip side of it it's like well are we worrying too much about what the hospital thinks and is that overbearing the situation um unnecessarily you know it, uh, you know it, it's it's a tricky thing it's like i don't want to rock the boat but also like it's not their birth but at the same time like of course we want to be friends in the community not because we want people to like us it's just we want to be able to work effectively <laughs> as community members and different practitioners that are serving the birthing folks so you know that was an interesting thing because I honestly I'm usually like whatever about the hospital they're gonna think whatever they're gonna think period so I could care less what they think <laughs> like we're just gonna do what this mom needs it's woman centered care um but you know it, it just invited me and it to gets hard because
1: they're not it's hard because definitely because of the way they're trained right we know that. Even if there's good folks there that like get it, there's going to be people there who have an opinion that think that whatever you're choosing for that woman-centered care, even if it's not really out of the ordinary, they're just going to come in with a, a judgment. Just as we do in the medical world, like towards the yeah. medical world, it's 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 the same thing too. It's like the, you're crazy to have a baby out of the hospital. You're crazy yeah. to have a baby.
0: It's right. the same thread, you yeah, know. It's hard to get beyond the underlying biases either way a lot of the time for sure yeah because
1: i feel that too i tend to have a lot of resistance and and for good reason you know but i also really do have people within that community that i respect and that i think are doing their very best to work within those parameters And, um, and it is it's hard to interface when you have very different ideals
0: right yeah and i think this ties into the whole general idea of what I saw when it comes to um, the implications of having your practice be mostly um, controlled in major ways by legal parameters and we've talked about this where we saw it in California with the 42-week mark too where you know you end up worrying about things that aren't actually relevant risk factors for this person right you're like okay i'm super worried about what the hospital is gonna think that you know waters have been open for x amount of time but wait no hold on like are you actually focusing on the moment like what what's actually going on with this mom and baby like are they actually okay are they giving you something to worry about well, and I well, mean, be being different. in
1: an unlicensed state and in a place where we've gotten to practice quite freely and having that woman-centered care,
0: I've seen those boundaries be pushed for days
1: and right. days. We're not <laughs> saying it's
0: ideal or fun or awesome I've... and we love it. We're just... No,
1: that's exactly <laughs> it. And then, and as each day goes by, you know, like I also am very communicative of, about what where I'm at, you know, I'm like, I don't want you know i just need to be honest that like this isn't the most comfortable scenario
0: you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> here's like, all the different perspectives and you make your decision right well and
1: yet still you don't have a fever you are very well hydrated you're peeing you're peeing clear there's lots of fluid i can palpate in your baby your baby's doing good you know like you're and and you're you know like mm-hmm. So, and that's not a common scenario at all, which is also probably why it's not the most comfortable because it's so, it's the more unlikely scenario, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, but I think that that's a big piece of it too, is that relationship dynamic of like, you know, technically you are fine. And at any point the bottom could drop out at any point in your life ever. Is the reality of that, statement right, right? Like what you
0: were saying earlier of like getting lucky or seeing miracles, it's not because you got lucky, like, oh, you just really took a major I was just winging it. <laughs> lucky. Yeah, no, it's lucky as in, you know, not any more lucky than we are to wake up after we go to sleep. Like, oh, cool, we, we're lucky to have woken up, we're lucky to have. Survived walking around the neighborhood. We're lucky to have survived driving down the road in a car, getting on the bus. Like life is inherently risky, so we're always lucky. Well,
1: and I tell my I I've told those few folks over time too. Like this is this is where I'm at, you know, mentally. So if it's okay, like I'm not trying to burst your bubble, but like I gotta sleep at night too. So like, can I come check on you more frequently? Can we try to do these things? Can we you know, and ultimately they get to decide those things too. But typically people like to have the extra care and take the hike up the mountain and go meet the acupuncturist. And, you know, so it's not like we're just sitting around not paying attention either. It's really being very proactive and like real, like um, present, like care in the present moment, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh man. That was another thing, Jamie. We're so blessed to have, so many acupuncturists here and especially some folks that are specify in and are, and are really good at you know the induction support and pregnancy acupuncture kind of care and chiropractors because you know there were times where i wanted to refer someone to one and they're like oh yeah we don't really have that <laughs> and you know what Jamie, there was someone that hit that you know 40 you know getting close to the 42 week thing and we're trying to do all the things um and so they found a chiropractor i think it actually might have been in mexico though um and they're like okay go to that person and then they called to schedule and they're like oh you're pregnant and you're 42 weeks like no that's a liability like i can't that's not safe i can't do it and they didn't do it like damn, man, like, like, like they found one of the few people that even do chiropractic care in the area and they weren't down to do that. So it's just this, you know, no one wants to touch pregnant women because they're just like picking time bombs. And ah. That's so
1: interesting to yeah. me considering that they have so much more access, like, you know, look, there's just so many more people and they're so... Mm-hmm much more everything, land resources, yeah. all this stuff. So to think that there's a limited amount of acupuncturists and chiropractors, like I can refer people to a, like 10 chiropractors. I know 10 chiropractors yeah. that specialize in pregnancy yeah. and turning yeah. babies. Yeah. And I have I have a list of like seven different acupuncturists that I've worked with that Mm -hmm. I think are great. And I have some favorites, you know, but like for like specific things too, like, oh, you're having restless leg syndrome. Oh, you have chronic fatigue. Oh, you have like, I know these different people that I can and they're very comfortable in pregnancy. That is fascinating to me. That is one of, it is true. It's we have a real, um, amazing, collective maybe the benefit of being small and being mm-hmm. a small island is is you know we we may not have a lot of midwives um but the midwives are very deeply integrated into the community
0: oh, and have yeah. beyond so resourceful totally yeah
1: lactation counselors that will come to your house and massage the knots out of your breast within uh-huh. the next 24 hours like
0: <laughs> totally exactly well it's
1: really such a gift
0: yeah and then you know of
1: the holidays
0: yeah (laughs) it's a perfect gift yeah and um the other thing you know you know all those typical kind hospital scenarios that we hear about that are rather atrocious and improper use of interventions and like just outdated information and practices and you know, a lot of that stuff is still going on there. Again, remember Borderlands, so it's, like, what I heard, it's, like, there's up to 90% C-section rates on some of the hospitals on the um, Mexico side and, and still pretty high, like, 60% C-section rates in on um, the El Paso side in some places. And um, so obstetric violence is highly prevalent in that area. Um, so, you know, this, this birth center I was at was, like, It's a safe haven for these women. And you know, I'd hear that so many times from them that they're just so grateful for um like non-rushed appointments and just personal care, um, individualized care, you know, even though we just talked about how licensure can make individualized care trickier nonetheless they were still able to bring in a tremendous amount of love and tenderness and understanding and holisticness and um uh yeah individuality to each case to be honest i saw that too and and i see it's like wow with all the other options they have around it's like thank goodness for this like cutest birth center gosh i fell in love with that place Um, That's so
1: great, and it's true. You know, like when when the when the worst is so bad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And that safe haven, even if they have those restrictions, they can still, you know, there's plenty of great midwives who are licensed who work around their restrictions. It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, it's just it's just unfortunate that this is sort of the trend, and then over time we've seen that the restrictions just get more and more and um you know but to think that they you know there are really good midwives who are licensed and have to still work around those parameters and their practice is just different you know yeah but a lot of women there's still so much goodness in in that you know and and yeah. and them feeling like they're a, a woman uh who's bringing in a life totally And not just, like, someone who's a liability and, you know, and then let's get them in and out because then the less time they're here, the less liability it is.
0: Exactly. So I got one more point here to kind of close it up. Um, You know, you asked me, like, some points of – but some highlights, if you will, that I learned about – learned on this journey and just this whole context matter circumstantial care because you know before i went there i was like yeah whatever it's all about my numbers it's all the only reason i'm going and obviously i got so much more out of it than that. um but you know honestly i never really cared for birth centers i was like oh whatever it's like it's like either they want to go to the hospital or they're cool being at home Bang. i don't understand this in between thing <laughs> but here like i get it in their context the borderlands where people are often crossing over like they literally don't have a home to go birth at like they need a designated place where they can go birth at you know and feel safe and still respected respect was like a major thing for them and they're like i just want someone to like hear me you know because they were just not getting that in other places and so i was like ah this birth center makes sense this is literally the like um that other word for safe haven the like a sanctuary you know for them to arrive at and and feel like they are being held and space is being held for them and they're just being like welcome with love and respect and their babies being respected so so that made me fall in love with the concept of a birth center it's like ah it makes sense in this context I get it and also even you know i was like oh if i did stay like you know I, I this would be a place where i would maybe more strongly consider a licensure um again what we were just talking about like the context matters you know given the other options like okay fine all right okay licensure is a, a great step then um and on the same token like the history of licensure there you know the traditional midwives were totally left out of it because you had to be literate to license at the beginning of licensure in texas so a lot of amazing mexican-american and just whatever mexican midwives um were left out of it like there's this woman named jesusita you can go look her up famous midwife um like she wasn't able to become a licensed midwife and that's why she had to kind of stop her practice i mean mostly anyways um so you know that kind of stuff sucks like really these wise women couldn't be midwives anymore so it sucks to be part of that system or to like license into that kind of system that did those things um which is part of the issues here in hawaii too you know um like who can call themselves a midwife it's like ah but um yeah it's not straightforward it's not black or white there's this major gray zone with all these things um and yeah yeah and context matters so yeah you got anything you want to share to wrap up here um
1: well i just think that even from our um sunrise audit or whatever it said in there that that licensure is the strictest way of um, keeping tabs and that registration is a is a softer blow but a way of like if the government needs to know what's who's you know working in the community that a registration is probably is, is a good first step
0: yeah. and
1: um, and I think that that's kind of what we're still mm-hmm. trying to work on is that you know that there would be optional licensure and that there would be um, a way that um, as a compromise, which some people are really anti that. They don't want to get on any list, you know, um, but registration is really just a little bit softer of a thing where there's not restrictions. It's just part of the list, you know? So they, they know that um, because I think too, like, some people don't want to be on some list, but at the same time, like, I don't feel like I have, um, personally anything to hide. Um, I'm very much, um, you know, have a healthy practice and good relationships with providers and those kinds of things. Um, I just don't necessarily, um, and i I wouldn't want to just jump right on board for registration either, but I think that that's it's true that that's a softer blow, and that um it still allows folks to practice without the the fear of losing the license under the eyes um of some arbitrary board that's making decisions that has don't they don't even practice they don't do they're making their decisions based on some scholarly statistical, whatever, as opposed to the individual case, you know? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that that's one of those things. And so, um, you know, we had mentioned before we started that we would, you know, talk very briefly because I actually have my children waking up and it's Christmas Eve. So
0: <laughs> we're going <laughs> to
1: paddle out to, to the Mokes, um, and so um but but we do have an organization that is that participated with the task force for that was built into the licensure and um and that group is Hawaii Home Birth Collective, it's hihbc.org. And it is a collective of the many different kinds of practicing midwives or those who formerly called themselves midwives before and are now in the gray zone, Um, as well as the students. And um, there's lots of other birth professionals, um, doulas and chiropractors and acupuncturists and other groups that we would like to, you know, like tie in and support one another because we do have this great gift in Hawaii. Um, and it is a recognized organization by the state of Hawaii. And, um, we have more midwives registered there than, than anywhere else. Um, and we're making some updates and some changes to our website and a little bit to the structure, um, of like fees and whatnot, but I do invite, folks to stay tuned or send emails to info at hihbc.org if you have questions. Um, We serve all islands of of Hawaii and um, are really, really grateful for the opportunity to build a nice, diverse um, community, or really we have built the community, but we're putting it on an accessible platform um, that um, is really meant to support um all the different kinds of of birth workers and the families we have a grievance process um we do peer reviews all kinds of great things so um and and it's meant to span all islands and really in a non-judgmental way but to really just support the diversity of of what our island folks get to experience
0: yeah so check out the website. I think it's literally hihbc.com. And yeah, it's It's hihbc.org.
1: There we go. We are a 501c3. um, And yeah, we're really um, grateful that the the whole community or by and large, you know, um, has gotten, we do legislative efforts. So that's all building up. So please do um, stay tuned. We're going to be building a newsletter, but not an annoying one that comes like every week (laughs) that you're like, I don't even going to read that, Um, but it'll be, you know, and we're going to also Danielle and I've been talking about doing a spinoff podcast where we can interview these folks um, and see um, and, and we can see what they have to offer their communities or what their communities may need. Um and we'll put a little extra podcast series up because it's like we have time to do that. <laughs> right. We've been so we, are, we already
0: did one a couple of days ago. We're Actually we did, it. guys. Yes.
1: Now so. now that she's back and we probably it's gonna be a bumpy couple of weeks, I think, cause all the lockdown babies are sliding into mom and dad's heart
0: <laughs> these next
1: two months or so. But um but we're gonna do our best and we really wanna try to keep this momentum and Um, if, if I would say anybody wants to join us in our podcast here or through the HIHBC series, um, give us a shout. Our email is, uh, women on fire at gmail.com. And, um, you can follow, um, Daniela on Instagram at holistic womb arts and, um, I have an Instagram too, but it's not really, um,
0: it's very full of rainbows and sunsets, <laughs> which is a very important part of a well-balanced diet. So, <laughs> <Rainbows. yes.
1: laughs> Self-care self is, is
0: care for all. So yes, exactly. <laughs> it's,
1: it has a ripple effect. And so my Instagram is at JME directly. And, um, so you guys can contact us in any of those platforms, and um, if you want to join us and have something to share or curiosities, or email us questions or topics you want to hear about, um, we are really um, very interested in supporting our community.
0: Yeah. So this podcast, other podcasts, we're gonna start HIPC. The whole thing is like to honor and uplift and amplify the voices of all midwives. That's what this whole thing is about. That's what we're trying to do here. Um, and and I, I'll leave one little nugget for you guys to ponder on by yourselves. Because, um, uh, you know, I'm here to, like, invite you to dig deeper. It's, you know, they passed the, li- the mandatory licensure bill here in Hawaii and I'm very much so under the gaze of, like, well, it's to increase access to midwifery care, right? Because it's so great. We want more people to be able to access it okay, sure, that's great in theory, but I want you to think about the fact that there's around 30-ish various types of midwives throughout the island, and I believe last time I checked, it was about 10 have actually licensed. So, only a third and of the, the midwives? And mm-hmm. of
1: the 10 that have licensed, not all of them are
0: actually even practicing. Exactly. So, so how does that fit into increasing midwifery access in the community? I will let you guys Think about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and to really look at the law, because there's many ways to become a midwife, and our law has only made um, either graduate degree, so certified midwife, or um, or a meek accredited school. Um, so there's a lot of folks who have practiced all over the country who would not qualify because they have not attended a meca accredited school. Yeah. So even if they have been practicing for 25, 30 years in California or in any other state, um, if they did not attend a meca accredited school by um, January 1st, 2020, and done the bridge certificate, they do not qualify for our license either. which means we will only get a fresh crop of homogenized education midwives coming into Hawaii.
0: Yeah. Right. And if you're in Hawaii, then we don't really even have to break down why that's problematic. Yeah. (laughs) But if
1: you're fired up about that, um, you know, contact us, let us know um, Mm -hmm. because we, we have uh, this window to, um, to either carve out our exemption permanently for traditional, midwives or create our own law um that would piggyback onto this one to help protect choices and options for um and and the old ways you know we've learned from these other states doing these things of what they're losing and what they've lost um and let's not repeat some bad
0: history right (laughs) yeah yeah i mean in Hawaii, we get it—preserve roots, right? The decolonizing movement. This is this is all of it: connecting to the land, to the ancestors, and um, the ways that you know previous generations got here. The way most of humanity got here was through this—the ancient ways of traditional midwives—and um, that's what we're trying to preserve. We're trying to honor and preserve our roots and not just discard them and criminalize them. (laughs) Um, Without those roots, we couldn't build upon it. And, you know, CNMs, all that, you know, it's all based on the traditional midwifery roots. That's the only reason we got here. So, um, yeah, let's preserve that. We contact us if you're down for that. (laughs) Um, So yeah, all right, okay.
1: All right. Thank you guys for joining us. We know Damn. that there's lots to do in the world. <laughs> We're totally, lots of things, and so we honor that and respect it. But thanks for joining us.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank and you. Stay yeah. hot
1: and spicy. Stay oh, curious.
0: Oh dear. <laughs> Feel your fire today. All right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Aloha. Okay. Aloha. <laughs>